0: And welcome to the 108th episode of Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'd like to chat with more people who support marathon swimmers. I'm marathon swimmer and coach Shannon Keegan. I had a bit of an unplanned hiatus the last few weeks. I hope that you used that as an opportunity to catch up on some older episodes that you might have missed. I am recently returned from the Solstice Swim on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, where I had the privilege of sharing the water with Stefan Reinke again, and Ryan Leong, and the rest of the Ala Moana Beach Swim Club The water was a bit hot and salty for my taste, but it was such a great opportunity to connect with people in person and get in some distance. I just couldn't pass it up. Now it's been a whirlwind since I've been back in southern Oregon, and we're facing an extreme heat wave. It's currently 113 degrees outside. That's 45 Celsius to you guys and the rest of the world. So at this moment, I am extremely grateful for my air conditioning and I'm contemplating putting together an ice bath after this. It's been a really busy time, and I think that is probably extending to others of you in the world. I really want to keep the ball rolling with marathons from stories, though, so if you know of anyone whose story that you'd like to hear, or if you would like to share your story, reach out to me, please, shannon at com. I have just a few weeks before um, spending some time in Tahoe, and then... Right after that, I'm heading for vacation in the East Coast to Vermont and Maine, and I really want to have some stories in the hoppers so that they can roll out even while I'm on vacation. For today's episode, oh geez, I think that I recorded this over a month ago, I got to speak with Brenton Ford, the Brenton Ford of Effortless Swimming. I stumbled onto Brenton's content about four or five years ago when I decided to re-engineer my stroke after seeing myself swim. It was on my swim around Mercer Island. I had a fantastic kayaker who had a GoPro and that uh, footage was very revealing. Have you seen yourself swim lately? I highly recommend it. It's the only way that you can find out if what you think you're doing is even close to what you're actually doing. But then, knowing what to do with that information, of course there's tons of resources out there, but you've got to find content that resonates and that you can internalize, and then you have to figure out how to implement those changes in your stroke, which is where a coach comes in really handy. I hope that you enjoy this episode. <laughs> All right, Britton, thank you so much for being my guest today. I've been a huge fan of your work for a few years now, and I'm really excited to talk to you. So so tell me, what's your story?
1: Yeah, thanks, Shane. I, I appreciate that. Um and thanks for having me on the on the podcast. It's uh, sometimes strange being on the the other end of a podcast because um, I've I've normally got people on um, doing what I'm about to do here and, and sort of telling <laughs> uh, telling my story. So um, I, my my background um, has always been around the pool. I, I was lucky to start very young as a swimmer. My um, granddad used to manage a pool in Morwell, which is like in in an area here in Australia, and um, then my my he stayed he used to coach me as a kid, and then my dad um, took over when he passed away. So I was coached by my granddad and my dad, um, and my parents run a learn to swim business as well. So it's just always been around the pool, and um, so yeah, I was I was lucky um, lucky enough to I get learned to swim really young, and obviously it helps when you learn to swim when you're young. But um, I mean, a lot of the people that I coach now, the first the first swim lesson they have is with me as a, a forty or a fifty year old. Um, and I'm sure you've um, you've met a lot of people who it's the same thing they start swimming very late in life um, and yeah look it take, certainly takes a bit more work when you're starting late but um, it doesn't mean that the enjoyment uh, isn't isn't there either because it's just um, it's such a, a good thing to to do and um, yeah so I basically I was an okay swimmer growing up made a few national age group finals as a teenager was just off Olympic trial level and I was never sort of going to make the Australian team or the Olympics or anything like that. But I just loved training and, uh, and I, I enjoyed competing, but I was really all about um, training, I think. And um, then when I went to university at 19, I started coaching and started coaching at Melbourne University for two years. And then I started coaching a master's group here called powerpoints and i coached them for eight or nine years and we won a couple of club championships which is like the overall point score at nationals Mm. and um and but i started my business at the same time just on the side which is effortless swimming and um, just started putting some videos out there and some podcasts and and just kind of sharing some stuff that um i was teaching the swimmers that i'd work with in person at, at powerpoints and um stuck at it for for the last um I think it's been almost probably 10 years, 11 years since I started that. Wow. And um, in the last five or six years, it's really taken off. It took a long time, mm-hmm. um, but with that consistency and um, I think also me personally just learning how to be a better coach and how to explain things in a in a way that hopefully is simple and people can take on board. It's I think we've had really good, um, I think, uptake on, on the videos and that sort of thing and our clinics over here. So um, yeah, I just I, I think I'm pretty fortunate to be able to um do what I'm doing because I love to coach I love swimming and I also love to um I know I sort of like the online stuff and and putting out videos and and all of that I I get a lot of enjoyment out of that too so I guess that's that's my um story do a little bit of swimming and I know we're going to talk a bit about broughtness which I did a few years ago um which which was a great experience in my first marathon swim um but I'm a bit of a softy in the in the cold so um (laughs) my, my main thing is is coaching <laughs> these days because uh, I know a lot of swimmers that do like the channel the English channel and all these crazy swims and um, I really d- admire their ability to do it because uh, for me I just uh, I need a wetsuit on I get so cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit what it was like like why did you decide to do <laughs> Uh
1: Yeah I I actually I, I only found out about it probably oh, I'd say maybe six years ago I think I, is when I sort of First heard about it um, because my background was pool swimming, but I, I started to work a lot with with triathletes, and I started to work a lot with with um, with marathon swimmers, and particularly swimmers training for the channel. And I heard about the Rotness Swim, and it was something that I had some friends do. It's, it sounded really enjoyable, like a big day out, but it's something achievable for the amount of training that I could put in. And obviously, it's it's really the only it was the only local Australian based marathon swim. That, um, that I knew of. So I thought, all right, before I have my second child, I'm going to do this swim, I'm going to train for it. And um, a good friend of mine, um, Lissandra DiCavallo, she was training for it as well. And I thought, okay, we can do it, train mostly together. And um, I'll have someone there to, um, to bounce off of as well. So yeah, just a bit of a challenge. And um, yeah, I thought, because I, I think those bucket list things are, are good to do. Like I did an Ironman before my first child tick that box. Haven't been on the bike since then. It's sat in the, in the garage for five years. Um, but then I thought, yeah, marathon swim would be really good to do too. So I've, I've done that. And um, again, I love the training for it. Like the training for me was probably the best part and um, the swim was great as well. But um, yeah, I just, I love that training and being in the oceans, just there's nothing better than, than that. And I think, um, I mean, with um, reading some of your story, like it sounds like it's just that, that appeal there's something about the open water that, um, that really gets you.
0: Yeah. For me, it's really like, well, once I kind of found the soul of marathon swimming and I could kind of not worry about the the other people and what was going on, it was really just about me and facing my own or finding my own limits. That was, that's been a big deal for me, even just to realize, I think it's even more so after having kids is realizing that, yeah just like that there's something more out there than than the competition you know and that i can just keep pushing myself and that that and that that's enough and and really fulfilling at the same time
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, that's right And like there's only um if you think about competition swimming like okay there's only going to be one person who's going to win the race there's going to be a person second and third like there's only so many places you know available for
0: (laughs) um
1: for getting those medals but with this stuff it's like yeah, I'm, I'm have so many friends and stuff like that that are, that are setting their own challenges with mm-hmm. different swims. Like they're coming up with them. Like I had a friend do do hundred k the other day across five days. Mm-hmm. But she said, "All right, I'm going to swim from here to here," um, and so she organised all the support and that sort of thing. And it's like that's you know it, that's such a good good challenge, and it's it's just pushing your own boundaries. And um, yeah, and and it's not about speed; it's just about lasting through it. And I think that's. Well, yeah, it's so much more achievable for people because you know, not everyone's gifted with with this speed to become mm. you know, an Olympic swimmer. So I think um, that's a big appeal of it, and I can really, really appreciate it.
0: Mm, yeah. So tell us a little bit what it was like, kind of, you know, preparing for Redness. Did you, you know, it's a, that was what was your longest swim like before that? How did you kind of have to shift gears to train for it? What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So I was I was used to doing um, the longest swim I had ever really done was. I think it was like a 5k swim um went it was horrible um i just wasn't prepared for it <laughs> and i um and i blew up so um this was a couple of years years before it and so i knew that um my plan was basically i think in end of october i was in thailand because we were running these hell week camps over there and uh and then i booked this rottenness swim and at the same time i was like all right i better start training for it now so the swim was in february so i had about i think it was a bit over 3 months or maybe like yeah 14 15 weeks to train. So um, I basically just like put it, got this excel document and I sort of put in there all right this is how far I want my longest swim to be and this is roughly how far I want to be swimming each week and then each week I'd just you know, progressively build up to it. So um, normally each week I'd have a an open water swim um, without a wetsuit in the bay here in Melbourne it's it the warmest it gets to is about 21 degrees, 22 at the at the warmest and um yeah and so i just progressively built up the longest one i did was about two or three weeks out i think it's about 16ks at a pretty slow pace um but we just kind of we just built up like one or two k's a week started at like four five six gradually built up and um and that like that distance was fine doing that 16ks was so enjoyable we got a sunny day it was flat it was just uh, it was magical, and. Uh, yeah, and like I didn't get cold or anything like that. And one of the the um the things that happened during the race was like I ended up getting a bit hypothermic towards mm. the end. Oh, no. And my pace the last five k's was just it was it it went from around a I think I was holding a one twenty two one twenty three for the first part of the race and it felt great
0: mm-hmm. and it dropped
1: off to around one forty five to one fifty the last five k's oh, wow. and it just um it blew right <laughs> out. Oh my god. But I, d- I didn't know I was hypothermic at the time. I was like, oh, I'm very cold and I am not enjoying this. Yeah. But, um, but I just thought, oh, maybe I'm just, I'm just tired and it's hard to get the arms over. And it wasn't until like a few days later that I was like, hang on a second, like <laughs> when I actually looked back at what, what happened with it. So um, there was a lot of learnings that came from the, the swim itself. And um, yeah, and just the, the first time you do anything, I, I think there's just so much to to learn, uh, from it. So like, I wasn't hard on myself about, um, not surviving the cold very well and all of that. Um, but, um, yeah, just for me, the process of, of training up for, it was really fun. Like I felt so fit and, um, haven't been that fit swimming wise for since I was probably 15 years of age, I think. (laughs) Um, so yeah, just, just enjoyed that, but did pretty much all the training on my own, except for those open, open water swims. So it was certainly a bit of a grind leading up to it got like trying to do a 10k swim in the pool by yourself um i was like oh you know it's um it wasn't you know, it, 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 it was enjoyable but it was certainly um i had to drag myself to the pool at times um especially when i was at the pool a lot you know coaching and that sort of thing sometimes it's the last place you want to be right you um you know coaching for for 15 hours on a weekend and that sort of thing right. um that i was doing but no it worked out um worked out okay in the end
0: yeah yeah so about coming out of that swim you didn't feel great if you were hypothermic coming into the finish <laughs> but I guess in retrospect when you were were you how did it feel when looking back on that accomplishment
1: yeah it was um so I was at the um yeah so I, I, leading into the swim I thought I could do reasonably well and I my goal was sort of top 10 for the for the event and I thought you know if all goes to plan top 10 certainly achievable like I was times were good in, in training. The distance was no problem in training. Um, and yeah. And so I think about 10 K into it, I was, I was around like fifth or seventh or something, um, all going well. I was, I was feeling good and just like, just sticking to the plan. And, um, yeah. And then just after that, I just started to slow down a little bit and, um, my feeder. Um, so it brought you've got a boat and you've got someone on the, on the kayak and my, um, as I started to go a bit further, like 13, 14 Ks, I knew I was, I was feeling heavier. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, the pace is starting to drop off, but just just stick with it. And the look on his face was just like, I could tell that he was like, I wasn't swimming well because I could just see that he was probably communicating with the boat and they're like, you know, how's he doing? Um, he's not looking great. <laughs> um, so I could just tell by that look on his face. Um, but like, so I just, I kept swimming. And then after, you know, 15, 16 Ks, like I was I was cold. I wanted to get out and if i yeah if, if i hadn't come so far and if i hadn't been such a big build-up i would have gotten out because i was just i was so cold and i had to tell myself at that 15 16k mark i had to convince myself how lucky i was to be doing the event because it's like i, I just yeah it, i was just getting that cold that i had to convince myself well, like to just stay in there and stay in there and it's like all right i'm so lucky to be here because who else gets the opportunity to come over to perth and, and do this swim and um, yeah. So I, I managed to convince myself, but boy, I was happy to, to get out at the end. And my wife said, when I got out, I was like, there was nothing, I wasn't, I wasn't there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I was obviously you know, shaking and that, that sort of thing. <laughs> and I was out of it for the first couple of hours as um, we were sitting on the boat and the guys, the captain of the boats, oh, you want a beer, you want this. So I was just like, <laughs> no, I don't want anything. I just want to curl up in bed and, um, and, and have a sleep. But um yeah. is it it, So looking back at it, um, at that part of it, I mean, what I'd probably do, I'd probably put on a little bit, either put on a little bit more weight for it, even though it's not that cold, I think it's about 20 or 21 degrees in, in rotto. Um, so not cold by any, you know, <laughs> any yeah. sort of um, standards compared to the English channel and and all these other ones. But for me, like I, as I said, I, I struggled. So I'd probably, um, put a bit more um, insulation on as well. Just some of the, um, the is it pig fat or, um, yeah, or
0: the brown fat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: the brown fat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I do a few more things like that. But um, the good thing about it for me personally, because I think I don't necessarily, I see myself as a swimmer, but more as a coach these days. So for mm. me, it was just, it was good experience. And I can use some of that to relate to the guys that I'm coaching now, yeah. um, because I think that certainly, certainly helps when you've been through, been through something like that um before so yeah Yeah. it it did it did help with that
0: you don't see yourself looking for a warm marathon swim somewhere around the world to travel to
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's why i wouldn't do anything colder than than that and you know people with jake like oh you should you should swim the english channel and it's like (laughs) well (laughs) yeah i just don't handle the cold and i like a friend of mine um when i was coaching at powerpoints he he trained for the english channel he was training for a pretty solid eighteen months to two years, and he he smashed it. Like he went, he went about ten hours, and he when he got to the other end, he was like, "I'm ready to go again. Can we go again?" And his captain's like, "Well, no, we've only planned one." Um, so he's talking about the double, but um, yeah, and and but for him, he put on a fair bit of weight, like eight or nine kilos, and I don't think he's taken it off since. And this was like six <laughs> years ago, so um, it's just. Uh, so I look at that and go, I reckon I'd have a hard time taking off the weight as well because. Um, I just, yeah, I doing, I mean, I try and eat well, but it does not happen all the time. And so it'd be easy to get stuck into that. So, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, what about your technique? Did you transform your technique at all going into like swimming a longer distance or what was that like? Um,
1: yeah, I, for me, like being a pool swimmer, I struggled for about three years in the open water. Like I, I could swim. Okay. But my stroke was very much a pool stroke, and then over the sort the first three years that I started open water swimming, I I sort of changed my stroke for it. Where the main things that sort of changed, like I was a little bit of a messier swimmer, so to speak. My recovery over the top was a little bit a um, little bit higher, a little bit wider. Um, I was a bit more aggressive with that with the entry, and um, and when I went back to swimming in the pool, so and um, was it's it probably I think it was maybe. So I started open water swimming around sort of 1920. And when I went back into the pool to compete at around 25, 26, um, my, all my friends and stuff that saw me race, like the, a few of them that were um, the most honest ones, they're like, your stroke looks horrible. <laughs> and, uh, and I knew it. And, I, and I, like, it felt pretty bad in the pool. And it was just so different to what I had done as a, as a competitive swimmer. Um, but I just couldn't change it. Like I just, I really struggled to to change it because I was just so used to swimming open water and that's all I was doing. So um, I think it's, obviously there's a lot of similarities. What you do under the water is fairly similar, but for me, that kind of rhythm and what's happening over the top um, was, was very different. So um, I think I'm probably, yeah, back a little bit more as a pool swimmer these days, just with my technique, but yeah, it certainly did did change because when there's chop and there's waves and and all of that, sometimes you do have to be a little bit you know, messier with with the stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just what I'd, I'd turn to. And, yeah, um, yeah. As, you know, as much as it sort of hurt my feelings a bit to for them to say, oh, you, like, your stroke looks so bad, um, <laughs> it was kind of a, bit, a good wake-up call, call for when I actually went back to the pool to, um, to compete and to train because, um, like, I knew it, I felt it, but um, it was good to have actually people say, like, this is how it is. Um, which was, which was nice of them in a way.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess I've kind of found as a kind of, I I guess I call myself a marathon swimming coach versus, versus maybe like what you're doing. But um, like, I teach, I feel like I teach people about the, the tools in your tool belt and being, you have to be flexible, you know, when you're out there, you know, like you said, there's some things that are kind of under the water that you can kind of it uses like a centering you know like you want your core to be strong and you know a strong catch and that connection but above you have to above you basically you got to be ready for the waves to do whatever is going to happen and just be ready to to roll with it and that i mean but that flexibility teaching people to be flexible is an interesting kind of component
1: yeah oh that yeah it's exactly right like you've got to um as a coach you've got to um be able to adapt with the person that you're working with because obviously Mm. there's so many different sort of styles that you see Mm. and there's different things that people are are training for. And and the mistake that I made as a coach when I first started was I was trying to make everyone swim with the exact same style, this, you know, pool swimmers style and look for a lot of adults, they don't have that range of motion. Um, They don't have that mobility flexibility to be able to, to swim like that. And if they are swimming for the open water, then you probably don't want them recovering really close to the body or you know all these sorts of things so you've got to be able to um yeah to be able to adapt with the person that you've got and then teaching them that um teaching them how to be able to to maybe change their stroke for the different situations they're going to find themselves in and um it, it's you know it, it, it's that's what we've we've got to do so i think um for me i look back at what i used to, how i used to coach as a 19 20 year old and um I, I just go oh geez i'm glad i've, I've progressed from there but you've <laughs> got to start somewhere
0: yeah and absolutely.
1: um and i and it just a lot of it comes with ex- with experience and and working with different people and finding out what works and what doesn't and um Yeah, and uh, it's taken me a long. I'm probably a slow learner. It's taken me a while to to figure that out. But um, yeah, that's that's half that's half the fun of it is not everyone's the same, and it's kind of like this puzzle you've got to solve as a as a coach when you're working with different people, which I'm sure you've you've probably found as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I love that that aspect of it too. I feel like I handhold a little bit with just like kind of one person at a time, whereas you kind of do a lot of you do a lot of stuff. Tell us a little bit. So one of the things, one of the favorite things I stumbled on just within the last. I guess month or two was the your recap of your learnings about your own stroke like from the prior year when did you start doing that like how long um that? yeah I'm trying to try,
1: I think um the first time I filmed myself was two years after initially running clinics and at the clinics mm-hmm. is where we film other people and right, right. analyze their stroke and so the first time I got filmed I was thinking God, my stroke is going to be looking so good. Like I I coach this all the time and, you know, I swim reasonably well. And then I filmed it and I just thought, oh, my God, like I can't believe I'm doing these things wrong. So for for me, it was um, when I'd I'd enter and I'd reach forward, my hand would be right up near the surface um, and we want to try and get it down a bit deeper towards like your shoulder, your underarm. Mm. And um, so that was like one of the main things, like I'd come up really high and that was slowing me down and my catch was a little bit too shallow. Um, so there's a whole host of things where I, was, I just couldn't believe I was doing them. So from that, I um, tried to change it. Um, after that, and then like every sort of year, I'd, I'd try and get some footage done when I was at um, when we'd be in Thailand for this this whole week camp because I, I'd have some friends there and I'd get them to just you know, film me and and so on. And it like for me, it's still a, it's obviously a work in progress still. Um, but yeah, like there's always always things to change. And the thing that I found most beneficial for trying to change my own stroke is sometimes you've just got to exaggerate the things that you're trying to, to change so much that it just feels ridiculous and one of the best things that I did to sort of discover that was uh, where I used to live near Melbourne there's a, a swim lab which is like you know it's endless pool got a mm-hmm. camera 30 second delay and um, when I was in there I was I was swimming I noticed on the video that my, my catch was um, still too shallow and so it just wasn't allowing me to get get this sort of high elbow position and it was it just wasn't as as good as it could have been so I had to try and go deeper and so I was trying to fix it and I'd like I'd swim for 20 seconds I'd stop watch the video and I was like that's exactly the same but like I'm trying to change it like what is going on here and so after about four times five times of doing that I thought all right I'm just going to try and pull with a straight arm like really deep under the water and we'll see where that lands it and then when I stood up I looked at the the video like it was, it was spot on. And so, but it felt like I was straight. And so I was like, okay, so that's, um, that's a helpful thing to keep in mind when I'm coaching other people. But if that's how it feels for me with someone with a a lot of experience with coaching and swimming, and it feels like that for me, it's probably going to be the same for other people as well. And um, so that was actually, that was just so useful for me to know about the, the extremeness of what you sometimes have to do to, to change things. Because I think it's like your stroke's like a rubber band it's like you stretch it but it always just wants to come back to its original size and so it takes just so much like stretching it stretching it stretching it until it you know until it changes form changes shape so um yeah and you've just got to be persistent with it for six to eight weeks usually
0: yeah yeah i like that analogy of the of the rubber band the other thing i've noticed just having like growing up swimming and you know doing i feel like i did millions of yards like just reinforcing bad habits. So then mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm now 40, <laughs> some odd trying to relearn how to, you know, like re- as basically after I had my second kid, I decided I was going to kind of basically start over again and I wanted to there's so many like there I just, I, I think I saw I the first time I had a I did Mercer Island in 2017 and I, I, my, my kayaker had a GoPro and she shared the footage with me and I it was the same kind of thing, like the, putting the brakes on, <laughs> like, I saw that and I was just like, oh my God, really? You know, I just couldn't believe that I, you know, I had, as a coach, I'd talked to people and always talking about, you know, whatever. And then I look at this video of myself, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm doing the, the breaks. So, um, that's when I decided I'm going to, you know, re teach myself how to swim again. It's probably about the time that I stumbled onto some of, some of your stuff, um, But yeah, um, so I guess, like I was saying, is having like millions of yards of kind of reinforcing bad technique. Now I've come to a point where it's like, no matter what distance I'm training for, I force myself to do like this back to basics day, I'm gonna start calling it, where I Mm -hmm. basically start with a float (laughs) and I add my pole and I check my connection Uh, you know, with my stable core and then in make sure that, you know, that the timing is right on, I mean, I, I, in, in marathon swimming, I emphasize the glide because it's a free ride, but when, you know, when the conditions are favorable, but, um, but I find if it just over, even over this last few months, I was doing some virtual challenges. And so I was trying to meet these distance goals and I just kind of stopped focusing like that one day a week on my technique. And, all my bad habits just all came back. I looked at some footage just from this last weekend. <laughs> I was looking at, it, I was like, there, my my back gets hunched because I'm not, you know, opening my chest and, you know, dropping my shoulder blades down. So it's it's so important to A, see yourself swim, but B, find a way to knock out those bad habits, you know? And it, and just as a marathon swimmer, when you're just doing yards and yards, you know, everyone's trying to yeah. build up miles, <laughs> it's easy to just keep reinforcing bad habits. So um I don't know why my, my point about that was <laughs> stop No, well
1: it's um and, and that's um and that happens to to everyone I find. Like I'll I'll catch myself as well just doing things that I you know had, should have changed a couple of years ago. Like they they do just come back in and so it just takes that constant focus of of changing it. Um but it, I think if you if you focus on things uh, enough and you're focusing on the right things like it's it's a bit like a a roller cut co- like a um, so like a you're going downhill on a mountain it's like you'll go down and there might be another rise yeah you know, go where you go back to old habits but it's that progressive where you just eventually you know bring those times down but it's not just this steady downwards ride. it's like you know, you are you, going to slow down, but then you speed back up, and all these sorts of things. But if you just focus on it, you'll eventually, eventually get there. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm the same. Like I'll, if I'm not thinking about it, or if I'm like, if I've had a, a big weekend of coaching and, and hadn't slept much, it's like, yes, yeah, things start to fall apart, and um, it's just being okay with it, and and knowing that that's going to happen, and then um, just just keep keep that consistency going because the last thing you kind of want to do especially if you're training for a long a long swim is have a week or two weeks out of the water um so you know you've got to just um keep that consistency going and just know that not every session is going to be the same and i mean for me like you what was it so today's tuesday yesterday was monday i trained yesterday morning and i could i was 10 seconds okay so per 100 five seconds slide per 100 um in a similar set that we did the week before I was just like, I cannot, I'm just, things are not happening, um, today, but I'd, I'd coach for 12 hours on the Sunday. I'd got hardly any sleep because our kid was sick. And I was just like, <laughs> all right, as long as I just do it, you know, do 3k here and I get through it. All right. It's, that's better than nothing. Um, but don't be hard on myself because, um, because I'm just, I'm just swimming so poorly. So, um, that's what I, and like, I have had swimmers in the past that I've coached where they're just so hard on themselves. Like they'll, They'll be a few seconds slower and they just like um yeah and they're just frustrated with themselves but it's um it doesn't do them any any good so um just communicating that what to expect can be helpful and i mean you find that as a coach don't you where you just um sometimes it's just there's a lot of education that needs to um, go into what to expect and if you can um, set them up with knowing the things that they're going to experience, whether it be in the, in the swim or in their training. Then they know it's coming, and they can be okay with um, with when they go through those those down periods. Um, and same with like after a particularly a big swim. Like um, one of the coaches that we have or we, we had coming to Thailand was um, Phil Rush, who's the done double and triple of the English Channel. He mm-hmm. um like he talks about that with um, with a lot of the guys that he takes across the Cook Strait. And like Taupo is that like after this swim, after you finish it, you're going to be on a on a high. But there's going to come that downwards part where you know people, okay, everyone's talking you like everyone's talking about you, everyone's really interested in what you've done. And then after that, you're not training as much. No, like people aren't talking to you about this event. Like you'll have this probably downward, down, down phase. Um, so just letting them know that that's going to happen and, um, it just gives you a few more tools to be able to, um, to deal with it. I think. Yeah. Have you, have you experienced that as well after a big swim?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's kind of the, that's when you, you know, you immediately start booking your next, swim <laughs> it's, you're...
1: it's a good thing to do. I think I <laughs> yeah. have something else after it.
0: Yeah. But I don't know that I have, uh, the, the way that my, like trajectory has been for marathon swimming I'm always just I the feeling of accomplishment has been good enough I do kind of look forward to the next one but I don't know that I've had like that same down period but I don't know that I ever get to that same level of training that some people do so for me it's a push to get through the swim like I I, not that I barely get through there but I I guess I emphasize the like the technique uh core strength and then just like I I minimize the I don't want to say minimize the distance because I, I do the d- d- distance days and I do lead up like open water swims to build distance, but I but I just don't put in the like the thousands and thousands of yards that a lot of marathon swimmers do. And so I think for those people, like their intensity that they're going in, like that they're training going in makes that letdown maybe a little bit bigger or it's a personality Mm. type thing. I don't know. (laughs) Like once I come out of it, I'm like, it's glad I get to be home with my kids for a little bit. I'm not running off to another swim. I don't know. So one of those. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, it's good if you don't. And like for me, I'm sort of similar. Like I don't get a big, um sort of down phase the, the thing i felt after a little bit after rotto and a little bit after the Ironman man as well was a um al- almost a sense of purposeless like um <laughs> purposelessness like yeah. there's just like you've had this thing you're training for for um half a year you put a lot of work into it and then it's done and then it's mm-hmm. like oh well, well what now and, and for me that that's been the the challenge and uh I haven't sort of booked another event after that, so I think it's just always trying to have something that you're looking forward to to after it. At least, at least for me. Um, and one of the things I really like to do is, um, is 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 surfing. Like, and for me, that's like covers all things. It's like it's a bit of play. It's it being in the ocean. It's that cold water. Like it, it sort of covers all those bases for me. And so if I if I can do enough of that after something. Like big, like a big swim, or for us, like when, when we were running camps um, before things shut down, it's like I need I need a little bit of that, just sort of free time, that play to be able to reset and go all right. What, what's what are my goals? What do I want to work towards now? And what's what's important to me? And um, and for me, it's yeah, that's that's kind of like that meditation that you get from from a long swim where you're just like it's you're hearing that noise of the sea and the water, and you just you get that physical exhaustion it's just like i just love it that's what i i try and get every day and if i get that every day like i'm a i'm a good person to be around (laughs) whereas (laughs) if if i don't then um yeah a little bit less so (laughs)
0: that's awesome that's an awesome outlet to have surfing and being able to do that every day (laughs) or or whenever you can i guess um tell us a little bit about um i guess I don't know. I want to hear a little about your camps and how that got started, and how they've taken off, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, we um, when I was uh, from like through my twenties, um, myself and some friends that I used to swim with growing up, we would go up to North Queensland where it's warm, and we'd um, we'd do a tra- like an informal training camp. So there'd be like six to six to twelve of us, roughly, going up, staying in this one in this one place, some of us sleeping on the floor and we'd just smash ourselves training for like five to seven days. And so we'd normally like get up, we'd do some like some boxing and some running and that sort of things um, on the beach in the morning. And then we'd go for a training session after that. Then we'd um, come back, have lunch and then we'd go for another training session in the afternoon. And we'd we'd do that um, training camp in the lead up to this sort of local state um, country championships, which you'd all go long to and just get together as a, as a group. So like that event, it wasn't like a a huge event or anything, but it was, it was a bit of fun. So we'd do it in the lead up for that. And those training camps were just so much fun where we'd just get to, you know, get so fit within a week, we'd have fun hanging out, eating together, um, and just yeah, it was kind of like school camp, but um, but for adults. And so <laughs> when um, this the opportunity presented itself um, when a guy that I knew he was working at Pura which is a resort in Thailand in Phuket, there, which we were um, yeah, which had sort of just started. And he said you should bring a group over, and I thought, and I was sort of early days of effortless swimming, didn't have much of a, a sort of you know audience, I guess. But I was like, oh, all right, so I'll book a couple of rooms. I'll see if anyone wants to come and. <laughs> expecting like you know maybe to have to cancel the camp because I wasn't sure if anyone would want to want to come but um yeah so I, I said it for a few months in the future like maybe like five or six months out and um said yeah, all right this week-long camp I'm going to call it hell week because we're going to train our asses off and it's <laughs> going to be hard work and um it like it booked out pretty quickly so I think just wow. some, you know, the the type of people that came along were those that were willing to um to work very hard and I smashed them and this is like I, I absolutely killed them um <laughs> And it was just me as the coach, and there was maybe tw- uh, just over twenty athletes who came along, and um, it was it was really really fun. And um, look, people were buggered by the end of it, and um, so we we were running that camp every year, except we except for last year. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just it was just a lot of fun. So then we started um, some camps in Hawaii and um, and here in Noosa, which is in Queensland as well, and um, similar sort of thing. But now it's a little bit less about just killing people for the week. <laughs> and we do a lot more technique work. So we do filming and analysis every day with people. We do some, some harder sessions, um, but it's more just about improving your swimming and, and learning about your stroke and and everything else. So it's a bit more sort of enjoyment, education, and a bit more of a holiday than just a, a training camp. And that seems to um, appeal to people a lot more um, <laughs> than, uh, than getting smashed for a week, but uh, it's just, I, like as a coach it's so much fun and i think for the athletes we've had people who've come to like five of those thailand camps and like they, they really enjoy it. and we've got such a good group that have they keep coming back again and again and i've made some really good friends from it so um we haven't done any camps coming up at the moment but i'm i think i'll start back next next year when we can guarantee that you know we, people can get here at least from new zealand and mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with the rest of the world but yeah it's uh I just want to make that opportunity for, for adults. Cause like how often do you get to go on something like that as an adult, there's just nothing for them that I, that was around. And so, um, you know, it's something that I loved as a, um, 20 something and, and now, um, yeah, I just want to make that opportunity for people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's a big, big hope of mine. Last year I was going to have my first camp and I had everything all set and they I, I was going to do a houseboat-based camp on a, one oh, of the cool. big reservoirs here in, or it's in Northern California. It's a little south of where I'm at. And um, yeah, I had everything all set. We were like a month out of when things started shutting down. So <laughs> my first camp was thwarted by a pandemic. But I do hope to to resume, to try that sometime. Um, but there's a lot of planning. There's a lot that goes into it, as as you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. What were you, Um. so you'd all stay on a houseboat.
0: Yeah. It was a was small group. There, hey? Yeah. Yeah. We were just kind of, we had awesome. a few, few spots. Um, like we were going to do like, there's a bay where we would do maybe a circle, like a, like a, not, maybe not English channel qualifier, but, but the, that kind of thing. Like we were going to have some days where you just like the, the houseboat moved down and you swam to it. And then a day where the houseboats parked and you do loops around it. And um, this big reservoir, they just, it pre-season, like before Memorial, Memorial day, there's, there's some fishermen on the lake, but not, not really anybody <laughs> that time of year and the water is perfect for a cold water marathon camp like um, probably 69 so i think 20 21 what you were saying was not yeah. <laughs> that comfortable for you but but good for like a, a distance cold water distance training camp yeah yeah oh so. that's
1: uh that'd be a, that's a good setup with the with the houseboat um
0: we could have a hot tub that, there so. and, uh, <laughs> yeah and how kitchen. cool is that <laughs>
1: yeah. it's um Like there's a few guys, uh, there's one or two groups here in Melbourne that run nothing similar with their houseboat boat or anything, but they do some cold water camps in the bay here. And um, it just looks like for for those that are especially training for something long or they want to, or they love the cold water, uh, it's just, it's such a good opportunity. And I mean, last year, uh, for for me, like we run these swim clinics, which is where we do a lot of our filming. And I've had so many people that pretty much took up swimming last year or they got back into it. From since when they were a kid, and they've become cold water swimmers because, like, last year no pools open, and so the only thing they could really do exercise wise was was swimming in the bay here. And so, look, it gets down to uh like 10 or 11 degrees here in mm-hmm. Celsius, which is it's cold, it's and empty. um, yeah, yeah so I have a they, table,
0: um, I, brought, I brought my tube. I I I I yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: you might need some Australian slang uh, <laughs> a conversion table for that as well. But, um, yeah. Yeah, we um, yeah, like I've had so many people who have just taken that up and they they're loving it. So they've just turned themselves into cold water swimmers and they they do it every day if they if they can. And it's um that's been one of the positives to come out of this, is people have really um taken up that sport and um, have become addicted to it in a good way. They just that feeling that you get, um, they love it. And the funny thing is, like I I can often tell which swimmers are, are cold water swimmers when they they walk into the pool for the clinic, like there's something on their face. Like they just, you can just tell Like it's, um, yeah, they've got this big smile and they're just like, I don't know. It's, there's something to it. I can, um, yeah, I can, I can pick them nine times out of 10. I reckon.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but not for you. You're surfing, but not, not any other time dipping in the ocean just for fun.
1: <laughs> nah. Well, look, I do go down for a dip now. And then like, I went in it's 12 degrees. I, I, I stayed in for like two minutes, but, um, Yeah. Like I do like, I do like that, that refreshing feeling, but uh, yeah, staying in there for long periods of time is not my, um, my, my cup of tea, but I do. um, Yeah. I can appreciate those that do like, it's one of the swimmers that came to a clinic on the weekend. Her next challenge is an ice mile, which is under five Celsius. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what that is Fahrenheit, but like, Oh my God, it's just, uh, yeah, it's uh, gutsier than me. So yeah, (laughs) I just try and I, I let them rub off on me when they, when they come and attend the clinics, but uh, yeah, I'm not that brave.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Different, different strokes for different folks, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. What, how do you, like, uh, how do you go in the cold? What's your, like, what's the cold, the coldest sort of you get down to there?
0: Um We, I'm in a deserty part of Oregon um, and it, we, our, our reservoirs get, like they're not not they're probably if you look at my table um like one two like in the middle of winter and I and I've overwinter swam a couple years but by the by the middle of winter we're just like getting like getting wet but but I was yeah yeah, I just was was, so I just love
1: freezing right yeah yeah yes very
0: much so but it was yeah it was definitely just an effort of I guess part of the other marathon swim training I do with my clients is getting comfortable being uncomfortable because it's kind of, you're kind of yeah. signing yourself up for that. So not to <laughs> say that. <but laughs> yeah. So some amount, like, I feel like the cold tolerance, if you're going to do, I initially, I initially started it when I was headed out to do like Tahoe, which is, you know, I think it, it gets up to um, uh, like 2021, 20, like late summer, but I doing it earlier summer, it's, you know, it's mid sixties or like 19. So, um, yeah. So anyway, just having some comfort, comfort, like cold comfort, I think kind of helps even not that you're, you know, you're not swimming in it for that long of a time, but just having, being familiar with the sensations of being cold helps you kind of know your body a little better. So, so that when you're uncomfortable, like in a swim, you could know like what kind of uncomfortable am I, I guess is my philosophy. Yeah.
1: Well, it seems like something that, um, you you build up this tolerance too, and you you become more comfortable in it, and your body just just adapts like like anything that you that you do more and more, of your body becomes familiar with it. And I th- the thing that I found too is it's like I've not, I haven't done it recently, but we were doing um, a winter solstice swim. So on the shortest day of the year, myself and some people I used to coach, we would go and do um, a, a swim in the bay. So it was probably I think the coldest, maybe yeah, nine or ten um and so we do like a a k swim a kilometer and it was um you know and after the first four or five minutes you actually settle down and you find this real real calmness in it and like after that that's usually pretty good but it's that for those first couple minutes at least for me where it was just like there's all right you got to control your breathing and then you just gotta let yourself settle into it but it's um it is it's just teaching your mind to be able to not panic and to relax into it and then you really find this like almost bliss state when you're when you're there and it's um it is a it's a really cool feeling to to be there um so it's i can i can totally get the the appeal of it it's um you get such a buzz it takes so long to warm up though. yeah yeah um
0: how was the how's the pandemic been for you
1: uh so we had um i was mentioning this to someone i was chatting to the other day where it's like when you're, when you're running your, 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 business and you do your, if you do a swap plan, one of the threats you don't put is like pandemic and all pools closed all <laughs> right. over the world. <laughs> um, so we had, we had two months there. Maybe it was May and June where like, like nothing was happening. Like nobody was watching swimming videos on YouTube because there was no pools open anywhere. And, um, and no one needed coaching uh, because they couldn't, they couldn't That's swim. Worth, yeah. So yeah, there was two months there where like nothing was happening and um and I was still hoping to be able to run our camps and stuff. Like we had, we had three weeks of tiling camps, um, sort of booked and paid. And same for Hawaii, same for Noosa. And um, yeah, so we had like, I don't know how many of that is, but maybe like 80 or 90 swimmers um, who were booked and paid for camps. And I was just like, okay, we'll see if we can run them. Kept pushing it back and stuff. And in the end, I just went, oh, I'm going to refund everyone and, um, and just hope, yeah, aim for next year and um and then with our clinics we i think we probably had close to maybe six months five or six months where we we couldn't run clinics or anything um so there was a time there where i was like well this is interesting um and we'll see see what happens but we like we managed to get through it fine and now things are just like that things are bigger than what they were before in terms of how many clinics we're doing the online coaching like people are just yeah they want it they want to improve their swimming so a lot of people are taking it up and they were sick of not doing much last year. So we got through it fine. I've got to be pretty um, yeah, grateful for that because things are like, you know, pretty much open here in Australia and um, we've got, yeah, no restrictions essentially. So yeah, got through it fine, um, which is very lucky because um, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, swimming clubs lost quite a few swimmers because of it. And you know, if you're just coaching a, a squad or a club like you, you um, may not still have have work i know in a lot of places overseas so it's um yeah very very tough for for the the industry so i hope um yeah i was i was lucky i can't can't complain how things are now which um which are good how about yourself
0: um yeah i kind of this well the camp i was telling you about i just said the same thing like push 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 off the decision and then i finally like give everyone their money back because it was just easier yeah. than trying to hope that something was gonna whatever that we could materialize something and who knows when and um But yeah, uh, you know, all my summer events, I had uh, everything was canceled. And then I just didn't even have the confidence once things were even starting to open up a little in the summer. We were feeling just really COVID cautious, I call it, with my wanted to make sure my husband was still able to work. So we were just staying at home and. Um, I have an endless pool, so I'm super spoiled (laughs) and lucky, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, but I didn't feel comfortable hosting people in my backyard. So, um, so trying to bring things back this year. Um, Yeah. And hope I'm optimist. I guess I'm pushed a lot of my, I pushed a few new services online or started pushing a little bit more of what I had online out there. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a tough year to say the least.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can, uh, can imagine it's, um, it's, I remember being, being in it and like kind of, it might have been like May or June when um, there's so much uncertainty and it's like, how long is it going to last and when are we going to start to come out the other end of it? And I was just um, like, it, it felt like there's going to be no end to it yeah. when there's all that uncertainty. So one of the good things that feels now is that, okay, well, we can see a bit of a path that's, that things are opening and it's like, it's in that better trajectory now. Um, but yeah, geez, it's, um, it was hard to stay positive uh, at that time when, when you don't know what's going to to happen and you just, um, and like my, my wife wasn't working. She was looking after the kids. And then there was, um, was just like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to coach again. So she ended up getting, um, you know, finding some work and then it's like two weeks later I think we ended up opening up and I was back at it <laughs> so we got lucky with that but um yeah there was a time of like oh hang on a second you know what's um what's going on so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're almost oh yeah here we're kind of out of it in Australia but it seems that way in the um in the states as well.
0: We're, we're, yeah, we're on the way. Yeah, my lifeline through the whole thing, of course, was starting Marathon Swim Stories, which I kicked off at the beginning of the pandemic. I called it virtual swim practice, and <laughs> that would, the times <laughs> I would usually go to the pool, I just we started just talking. We were just we started out complaining about not being able to swim, and then I was like, wait a second, we could we could talk to people. This would be, this could be fun. So. Um, ah, cool. Yeah, so that's how this whole this whole madness started, which has been amazing to be able to just connect to people all over the world and talk about something i love so that's been fun
1: Uh, oh it's so it's so good that you um to be able to do it isn't like i've learned from um my own podcast like i've learned so much from talking to to people and you meet you meet a lot of people through it as well and then and then that leads you to to other people and it's like you get you can really um and it's obviously people that are interested in what you're interested in as well. It's like right. you know, one of the things that my my wife used to hate is when we'd have um, like I say, barbecue at our house, and all the guys that I was coaching would come over, and we'd just talk about swimming, and she'd just you know, roll her eyes. And yeah. like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, can we talk about something else here? Yeah. Um, so it's you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like you just, um, it's so easy to talk about swimming because because we love it, and it's it's what we do yeah. um, and think about so often. And yeah, uh, yeah so it's, it's good to be able to do that and, and do it on a podcast where lots of other people can listen and you don't know who's listening either like you just um the, it, that's a cool thing about podcasts like the amount of people I've who've said oh you know I like your podcast and like I've met them at the pool and it's like oh, that's awesome that you that people actually are, are listening to it because you don't know sometimes <laughs> it's right. like yeah, you you just, just, you're just, just talking, talking put it either. out there and see what happens yeah exactly yeah, that's right
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny tell us about your podcast so you've got gosh how many episodes now hundreds
1: uh we're at a hundred and i don't maybe 70 or so and um i've been very sporadic with it so i'm I'm trying to be more consistent i'm trying to do it weekly um but for me like i don't don't know when i started i'm thinking probably like six years ago it might have started so it was a while ago that that i started and um i've had a a business coach for a a while and, and one of the things he said was you should do a podcast and the anxiety i had around first of all like hosting hosting a podcast and and then having guests on and if I had like the first guest I had was a guy Michael Klim who's quite a famous Australian swimmer um he's Olympic gold medalist um world record holder like big name and so I knew him through a friend of mine and so I had him on the first podcast and I remember just sitting there And like, just all right, just breathe. Okay, yeah, slow down. And um, I had all these questions planned for him, and um, and I I don't want to listen back to it because I just I imagine it would be quite um, hard to listen to. But um, yeah, but I was so (laughs) yeah so nervous about doing it, and now it's just like okay, it's easy. Like you're just talking to people; it's a conversation, um, which uh, which is good now. But boy, it took me probably. I don't know, two years to be able to sort of get rid of those nerves and be okay doing it. Um, so like for me, that was a good thing to have like personal growth to, to be able to get comfortable doing it. And so there's been a few things like that that have pushed my comfort zone um, as well. And, and that's what I've, looking back, like I'm, I'm grateful to, to have been through that, you know, and to, to do it because um, how do you feel on your first episode or first couple of episodes and then putting it out there for everyone to listen to? how'd you you go with with that?
0: Yeah, well, it was interesting because I kind of started with, um, I didn't, I don't think I even had the idea to make it a podcast. I I published it on YouTube I think but it took a little while before I was like hey wait I could strip the audio and then you get a mm. you know a, you know like you just put it out there I don't know you then you really don't know where it's going but but yeah listening back to some of those early episodes is not fun because yeah. like reading questions like um hold on a second like tried, it was yeah pretty embarrassing when thinking back to it but um but yeah when you realize it can just be a conversation with people and that someone gets something from that or maybe they don't and it doesn't really matter because I'm having a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah oh that's that's exactly right and um and it's like it's kind of like yeah pushing your comfort zone in the in the water as well it's just like the first time you you do it like the first time I did open water swimming I sucked at it um but you just get better and better and so if, you know I'll, I'll look at that with like open water swimming all right it's something that I got good at same with podcasting like I don't think I'm a great podcaster but it's like i um i know that i've gotten better at it and more comfortable with it so all these little things that you can just kind of add to your your, your tool belt and um you can look back at and go yeah I, i've worked hard at this and i've gotten better at it like that's that's for me gives gives me a real sense of accomplishment and um and i've got to remind myself too when i'm going through often like you know, if i'm frustrated with something that's not quite working and you, you you eventually sort of get it done like for example one of the things that um uh with this was I, I put out like a five day catch challenge like mm-hmm. help improve your catch in five days and yeah um I like I filmed the videos that was fine like it's just me talking about swimming that's the easy part but then it was the other stuff it was getting it up online and, and putting up the website and then just like making sure that people um would get an email each day with all the the content and stuff. And so I was kind of going, I was getting frustrated with it like because that's not my specialty. It's like I can talk about swimming, that's fine. But then it's all the technical stuff. Yeah. And um so it took me another two weeks on top of what it should have, I think, until I eventually got it up and going. But after I did it, it's like the results have been great. Like heaps of people have been saying like I've taken five seconds or 10 seconds off my 100 times and like I really enjoyed it. And so it was worth it. And I look back and go, oh, that's, yeah, okay, I'm glad I did it. But, uh, yeah, I've just got to, I've got to catch myself sometimes where when I'm getting fr- frustrated with those minor details um, that you go and on the other end of this is, is something good. So it means that you're... Um, you're doing something worthwhile when you sort of get to that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, the like a couple of things like the with podcasting, well, with, with anything, when you have that idea, it's like just like to just start, you know, like, and, mm. and if it's a marathon swim, it's like, you know, just sign up and then, and then go swimming, okay. you know, and you just start and then start working your way up because. You just you just got to start, you know. <laughs> but um, I thought for sure you had a team of like a hundred people back there. You put together so much amazing stuff. It's just you. <laughs> I,
1: I've got um, I've got sort of I've got two sort of um, people that help me with the the videos and the podcasts and stuff like that, um, and the, the customer support and all of that. But um, no, we're we're a small team, and um, yeah, and I've got I've got a coach in Sydney that runs my Sydney clinics but um now nah, we're, we're a pretty small team um but the yeah the two two people that work with me are um they're fantastic at, at that but in terms of like some of the technical stuff like i um i end up doing that myself but i try and not i try and just sometimes get people to, to do it um because it's not my specialty <laughs>
0: Well, take, everything takes longer than you think. I know my, from putting yeah. migra- trying to migrate some of my own content online, it's just like you think, oh, yeah, I'll just do this in half an hour or an hour or whatever. And then, so you know, it's two days later and you're like, ah, I just want to get this done. So, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a question for you. What do you, um in the last couple of years, it seems like there's been a real, um, there's been a big movement towards wild swimming. Mm-hmm. And um, like I see, I can't remember the group on Facebook um, that is, but there's like a maybe Outdoor Swimming Society, um, mm-hmm. I think is one of them. Like I just see so many posts there and so many people getting into it. And they're not even necessarily like swimming, just like getting into creeks or riverbeds, wherever it is, and just like, just enjoying the water. Um, what do you think's been the, uh, why is that big movement happened in the last couple of years?
0: Hmm. Well, the pandemic, obviously, with no pools open, <laughs> that, was that no brainer, but even, but even before then, I don't know. I guess I w- I would like to think it's a uh, well, and I mean, I live in an area where I don't know that we're that we're that every, anyone's graduated to that to, to that. Yeah, I want to think though that people are trying to become more aware of their environment, and they maybe want to try out their local waters to see if they're swimmable mm-hmm. and find out if they're safe. I don't I don't know though ex- exactly what it is. I mean, I know. F- for me it I was I mean I had uh I had all kinds of open water fears coming from pool swimming. I I swam in a mm. pool my whole life and I didn't have any idea what it was like like lake weed. I was like this is nasty <laughs> to get past or what's down there, you know, when you can't see. Um but but I guess for me it was so like I still, to this day, I go swim at the pool and just doing flip turns, you know, like there's just this, like just having to hold your breath. And I mean, it's stuff I used to be really good at and I could get back if I practiced, yeah. but when I'm in open water, I don't ever have any of that feeling of just, I don't know. I just, everything, it's just the rhythm is easier to come by. I don't have to worry about a wall getting in the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah. There's uh, there's something to um that. Uh... Yeah, just I think just being in nature is a, a, a massive one. Like it's, um, yeah, it's 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 good for the soul. It feels like like we did. Um, I think it was Easter weekend. <clears throat> some of the, the group that I train with um, down here, we did a swim from from Bell's Beach, which is like a, a really famous surfing beach here in Australia, um, down to Cozy Corner at, at Torquay. It's, it's a six k swim. It's not massive or anything, but it's yeah, it's, it's just it was so spectacular with it was a great day for us. It was flat. There was a very small swell and um, it was early in the morning. So the sun was coming up and it was just, it was just magical. And like it, for me, there was um, in terms of swimming, like it just, it doesn't get better than that when you get to be in the ocean, other people around as well swimming at a similar pace and you just kind of, you become a part of the environment. And after that, it's just like, yeah, there's a re- this real calmness um, that you've, you've got about, your, your manner and and how you are and, and how you feel after doing something like that. And I've, I even get that sometimes with like, if you're swimming and it's really choppy and it's hideous conditions, there's something fun about being in that, in that chaos, because yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you, you still find your rhythm and everything in that chaos. And when you come out of it, it's just like, that was cool. You know, I sort of yeah. survived that. And you know exactly. It's, it's the same thing with, with surfing when it's, when it's big and it's wild, it's like, yes, this is this is good. I can, if you can be calm and relaxed in that sort of environment, um, then you feel like you can deal with a a lot of other stuff as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Perspective, right. Gives you, gives you perspective. And, and that, I mean, that feel when you can look back and be like, Oh yeah, I did that. You know, like that feeling of accomplishment, I think goes, goes a long way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think uh, as well, one of the things I've found as a coach uh when people do go from say the pool to open water swimming there there's that um uncomfortable feeling and panic sometimes it comes with it but for me it often just comes back to back to breathing and yeah. i i um was listening to like I, I, listened, I listened to a surfing podcast and the coach on there he was talking about when the waves are really big if you're paddling out and you're working really really hard to get out the back and your heart rate's up at 170 180 then you've got no energy left for when you eventually get out there so if you Mm -hmm. just relax just slow down your breathing and eventually that water that's being pushed in by the waves is going to recede and it's going to have to go back out so if you can just you know work with it come back to your breathing then you're going to be much much calmer out there and the same thing when you're paddling into a big wave is if you're panicked and you're rushing then you're probably going to panic and rush on the stand-up and you might not you know, you might fall off because, right. because you rust with it. Same thing with swimming. I find is if you can just always come back to your breathing and, and settle that, then that takes care of a lot of that, that panic and uh, exhaustion at the start. So I try and communicate that to the, the swimmers that I, I coach, if they're doing triathlon in a mass start and there's people around and they're not comfortable in the water, it's like, just come back to your breathing, find that rhythm and, and go from there.
0: That's, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I have this theory that oxygen exchange, like that's the secret to swimming fast, right? Is that the, somebody can get their turnover going, you know, like have perfect technique and everything, but, but the oxygen exchange, you have to be able to exhale enough so that you can inhale just the right amount, you know, like, but, you, but finding that balance, that's, that's the secret, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's all it takes yeah yeah I I completely agree it's um because um when I'm when I've got people at um at clinics and they're not they're maybe new to the sport and they say that they they're exhausted after 100 or 200 meters you can Mm -hmm. see it one of the things you'll notice between them and the other swimmers that are comfortable in the water if we're doing a drill like front kick so you face down you got both hands in front you got fins on the swimmers that are comfortable they'll push off nice steady kick sitting on top of the water they look relaxed and they're and they're floating really well the swimmers that aren't comfortable they're really tense Mm -hmm. through the hands through the shoulders everything and then they're kicking super super hard and they'll get to the end pretty quickly but they're exhausted and then and you can see that that comes out in their stroke is there's so much tension um in that and and with their breathing that it's not it's just not you know, rhythmic or it's not, um, it's not relaxed at all. And so I will often say to them, like, if you, if you're walking down the street and you were like going,
0: <sighs> it's yeah, like yeah, you're exactly. tire out
1: walking as well. So, um, <laughs> what if, what happens if you just slow your breathing down and you, you know, just have a, a more natural exhale? And, um, you know, if you're able to relax that part of it, then you'll probably find that you won't get, get as exhausted. But look, I, I get it because if you think about it, if you're someone who can't, who's not a good swimmer, And you get put in somewhere that's deep and you can't stand up. It can be a daunting thing. It's like, well, how am I going to like stay above the water? Like, cause my body just wants to sink, but um, it's, it's kind of that, that contrast, right? Because, you know, the more you panic, the more you tense up, the more you're going to sink, but if you can relax, you're going to float better. So it's like, it's hard to make that step, but once they make it, I think it, it seems to click for them and then they can, can go about it, but it's getting them over that, that hurdle at the start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think though, too, there's the second hurdle, I think is like where I feel like you, you can swim, like for me, I can swim really efficiently <laughs> to a certain pace. But to push to like that next level, I need to be able to exhale more so that I can inhale. Like, just, again, it's not like you're inhaling a lot, but it's like, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's just me, but when I start pushing my, pushing my pace, I don't exhale as consistently as I can at a slower pace. So,
1: yeah. Right. So you find like, you just, you're topping up on half a lung full of air, like you still got something left in there. You mean?
0: Well, I, I think I just, I, I just end up not being able to like really go that fast. I feel like I could just go faster if I could X, ex- if I could exhale and inhale more like it, more rhythmically, maybe, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Are you breathing every two or every three?
0: Th- three to two, <laughs> I go back and forth. I do kind of a two, three, two, <laughs> three, two, three, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
1: You sound like me. Yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. Change it that way. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I mean, one of the things I've found um, a lot when working with people is that um, ability to change speed. They don't, um, there's so many swimmers that have come to me and their session or their sessions is the same every single time. So it's like get in 200 meters swimming and then 1K straight all mm-hmm. at the same pace. And, um, and so, yeah, what we, what we have to do is show them how you might structure a set and how you might vary your pace within that set. Yeah. And if you can develop your gears by, um, you know, by going like one at 70%, 80%, 90%, if you can get really good at that, <laughs> that's going to help you when it comes to your, to your racing. Now, obviously you don't really need that for like a, a marathon swim or anything, but um, I mean, I work with a lot of triathletes and stuff like that. And, um, and even some junior kids of like 10, 11, 12, uh, I've had them and they haven't, like, they just will do like a four 100s build and they're doing it. Uh, meant to get faster and they'll get slower because they go too fast on the first one mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's like such a good skill for to develop and i've seen some great results when people actually get that and they and they make their training include some of those you know progressively building uh sets in there
0: yeah Yeah. um i realize i'm keeping you over an hour maybe i'll just wrap it up with a couple more questions is that okay
1: yeah no problem
0: um, okay. So you talked a few times about these 12 and 15 hour coaching weekends. What, what motivates you to keep going? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, I, um, uh, so I don't coach squat anymore. I stopped when I had my first child. So I was getting up at like four 30 in the morning and, um, and coaching four mornings a week and then maybe three nights, um, a week. And, um, and look, that was look, it wasn't hard, but you know, those early mornings are uh, sometimes challenging. But, um, but uh, so now like I, the the only sort of in-person coaching that I do is, is these clinics. And, um, and I've just decided to, for the most part, pack them into a Saturday or a, like a, or just a Sunday. So for example, uh, it's like on the weekend, I had three clinics. So seven o'clock all the way through till 7 PM. I had three clinics within the day. Um, and that was my choice because that way I, you know, Saturday I get to swim or surf, hang out with the kids and that sort of thing. So, in terms of coaching, I'm not doing like 60 or 70 hour weeks. Um, so I can't complain in terms of hours and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, but I have thought about like, is this something that I would like to keep doing five years, 10 years down the track in coaching? And, um, and I, you know, the answer I've come to is, is yes. Like I love, um, I, I love a lot of aspects of it. I like working with people and seeing those results like that to me is really cool also, you know, you get to meet really good people as well through, through podcasts, through events and through clinics and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I think for me as well, like people, you know, you want, you want to be, you want to be good at something. And so like, I put a lot of time into, to coaching and putting out videos and that sort of thing. And like, I, I feel like I've got a long way to go and there's still so much I can learn, but I, I enjoy uh, getting better and, and um, getting better at this and and being able to help people and so I know that there's still a lot that I can learn so yeah there's that that's the challenge for me I think and, and the thing that appeals to me is like I still know I can you know hopefully improve with it so uh yeah there's I, I'm lucky that I get to to do this and um I mean sort of it's, it's a real um passion of mine swimming and it sounds like it's obviously the same for you with with swimming so to be able to do anything on the coaching end of it is um I think we're pretty lucky to be able to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if I can, if I can make this work, it would, I mean, I've worked successfully in technology for years and years and years and made a lot more money than I do coaching, but I would just rather do something (laughs) that I love to do (laughs) instead of just earning a paycheck, basically.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that stood out to me last year was like, I, I was traveling. I was like on 80 flights or something in 2019. Like I was, I was flying and traveling a lot. I was away a lot with um, with the camps and the and the clinics. I was interstate you know, most weekends, and that was too much. and um, And then last year was like, oh, I do ha- I do enjoy hanging out with the kids and playing with them. I do enjoy actually spending more time at home and being able to like just have a regular routine and um, and not be you know, traveling all the time. And so that's why I've sort of s- I've slowed down the travel a bit and um, you know just in- enjoying a more sort of you know, um, normal or similar day to day. Thing Because then I get to do all the things I I enjoy, which is, okay, I get to train in the morning, get to swim, get to play with the kids and the family, get to surf, get to do the coaching. Like it's it's really, um yeah. And that's like, if I'm doing that, I'm happy. But if I'm like, if I was working 60, 70 hours in something that I didn't quite enjoy, like I know that wouldn't be the, the case. Whether if I made more money, look that wouldn't matter. You know, it's like, what do you actually enjoy? And I think that's a lot of people realize that it seems in the last 12, 18 months.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, the gift the gift of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, what a gift. <laughs> yeah. Um who's inspired you?
1: Uh, yeah, it's uh I think I was I think I was lucky my my parents were um my parents were um both involved in swimming and my uh, one of the things I've um talked a bit about is but like my dad as a coach, he was he was a hard ass in the in the respect to your how you should behave as a person so as a in terms of coaching like he was he was a great coach and he wasn't like a old school you know hard-ass coach but he he was a hard-ass as in when you come to the pool you better say hello to him and use his name and for the other swimmers so hello goodbye please thank you all those sorts of things and um and just um and developed a really good culture with it and and for a lot of the swimmers that trained under him as a as a junior athlete from say 12 to 18, they um had said like you know, swimming growing up, like they learned so much from from that in terms of stuff that's helped them in their jobs or in day-to-day life or or family life. So I think like um my dad and then and my mum as well, like they were they were amazing to have as parents. So I was very lucky for um to have that. And I've taken a lot of the stuff that um that they've taught me into the coaching that I I do. So I think it sort of started there. And then I don't know, I've had a number of um I know a number of different like um, yeah, um, coaches that I've um, talked to and, um, and friends and stuff over the years that, uh, that I just have learned a lot from. And then I like in terms of swimming aspirations, I don't sort of have any at the moment. There's nothing there that, that challenges me because I think I, like, I get quite a bit of like I, I see it with so many people that I talk to, like this girl that was doing the 100K swim the other, the other day across five days. Like I, I get to talk to people and live vicariously through them for that. So, um, yeah, I guess um, I just, I don't know, I, I quite like um, the way I learn is a lot from stories, like uh, is hearing people tell, tell stories. So, I don't know, I picked up so many different like little nuggets from stories that people have told or for, like for, from coaches. There's different phrases that I've heard them explain things in. And so the way that I coach. I don't. T- I take credit for about five percent of it. I think I've sort of learned it from from everyone else, and I couldn't tell you where half the things have, have come from, but I've heard them from other coaches. So yeah, there's there's no one in particular, but there is one thing I will mention is um, in terms of my swimming coaching, there was an article that um, was written by a friend of mine, Wayne Goldsmith, about uh, Bill Sweetnam, who's a he's been around coaching for a very long time, and the article he wrote was basically can Bill Sweetnam still coach? these days as in like he was an old school very hard coach would make people do some incredible sets and like wasn't I don't necessarily um not personal but he was just he was a very hard coach and make people work incredibly hard and the article was looking at has he changed his style to better suit today's coaching where it's more personable and you know you're actually communicating with the swimmers and they're helping you kind of set the programming a bit and um reading this article one of the things I picked out from that is that this Coach Bill Sweetnam has—he's um, so good at communicating with the athletes now, where he'll ask them questions and, and get them to come up with the answers that they that they need. Um, as in, like instead of saying at the end of a session, you know, "I want you to do a hundred dive max effort, all right? Go all out." All right, I want you to do another one, and like they're already exhausted. And instead of telling them, he'll say, "All right, what do you think um, you need to do? What do you think your competitor X is is doing? You know, do you think they'd get up and do another?" You know, max hundred here, um, and there's some will think about it. And go, yeah. He goes, All right? Would you like to do one? I go, yep. Yeah. And so, like uh, <laughs> probing questions like that. And so, um, I read this article, and it changed the way that I was approaching my coaching a little bit less tell and a bit more like you know directing them with with questions and getting them to answer, you know, come up with the the answers themselves. So yeah, that to me was actually a big change in the way that i um now coach and i try and do it with my kids as well just to get instead of me telling them off but it doesn't um it doesn't work as well (laughs) i've got to be a bit older
0: (laughs) yeah they're close they're really close it's amazing it just in the last year with my kids we were talking earlier breton's kids are a couple couple he's three and three and five and i'm four at minor four and six but yeah it's gotten better just in the last year (laughs) and it's it's fun when you when 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 you talk to them like that though i mean they it really i i see it pays off and i see them when they interact with other people that other people appreciate that they'll start asking Mm. thoughtful questions to other people and i i just love that (laughs) yeah yeah keep doing it (laughs) yeah good all right i'll stick with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah, the, oh, you were talking about the the 5% of the things you think are yourself. Like, I feel like I'm an amalgamation of like everybody I've ever met and Mm. interacted with. And that's, you know, that's what's made me, me, but it's, but yeah, like you can't be, yeah, I don't know. Like you can't, you can't not be influenced by somebody that you come across. Right. So.
1: Ah, it's exactly right. And the only, (laughs) i say like the, um, the 5% that is not, um, is, is actually my my own. So like two years ago, I was running clinics and the way that we teach the catch in the pool um, two or three years ago was we're using these different drills and we spend like, we spend too much time trying to get people to do the drills right. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we'll help you with the swim, but it was just too much time spent just on getting the drills right. And it's not necessarily helping their, their swim. And so I got to that point where I was like, there's got to be a better way to kind of teach them this stuff that we want them to do and for them to actually be able to then take it away and practice it. And so I thought for you know, a, a couple of months and I ended up coming up with these these three drills, we call it the YMCA progression. Um, and like, it's, and I, I feel like if I was to tell any comp- like age group competitive coach, these drills, they'd probably look and go, yeah, okay. <laughs> like that's a bit weird. Um, but it, but they work incredibly well for for what we do at these clinics and the results that when people come back and get filmed again, like we're seeing, the majority of them really improve their their catch and pull, which is really the most important part of the stroke for a lot of people. Yeah. And um, and so yeah, we made up these drills. And in my mind, I was like, "Do you what right do you have to come up with your own drills and um, <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff?" But it um, it worked really really well. And so what I sort of gathered from that is well, there's no there's no rules in how you do this stuff. Just come up with whatever works for you, and if it works, great. And don't worry what. Um, what others might think or say about it. Like if it works, then that's the most important thing. Um, So yeah, that's, that's the 5%. (laughs) That's my own.
0: No, but there's, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to be nothing. Nobody swims perfectly yet. Right. We're all still learning about our bodies and our bodies in the water and i don't know i mean there's some people that are pretty probably pretty close to perfect but i i don't know that's it's fun to to keep learning so i'm i'm right there with you
1: <laughs> yeah exactly right doesn't doesn't stop which right. is um which is that's half the fun like when i was coaching masters so i had so many of them that were doing pbs as like a in their late 40s some of them early 50s like pbs compared to when they were, were a kid as well it's so like oh my okay so all right, it can be done you know um it's yeah it it doesn't stop so i mean that's that's pretty amazing that people can still be swimming faster in their 40s and 50s
0: yeah yeah that's what i love i guess about swimming it truly is a lifelong sport
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's right which is which is great isn't yeah i'm glad we're not doing like uh like mma fighting or um or even like maybe marathon running yeah it's you can swim for uh, until you're 100 which you um which you see (laughs) i remember my um my dad went to a master's competition. I would have been probably 15. He came back and he's like, yeah, this competition on the weekend was great. But there's a lady in her 80s that did a, I think it, I think it was an 800 or a 1500 freestyle. And it took, maybe it was a 1500, and it took an hour. And so the whole meet was held up an hour for this one, <laughs> this one lady to, do, to finish her 1500. Um, and at the end, everyone got up and clapped. And no, she bought, I, I think she was 90 something. And wow. um, so it was amazing, but it's just like it was a long day that day. Yeah. So that story's always stuck with me. <laughs>
0: put them in the open water then yeah then they're not yeah. holding up the swim meat.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah so another benefit to open water
0: yeah <laughs> 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 oh man thank you thank you so much for all of the work you do brenton i um i'll put some links in the in the show notes to like your five day cats challenge i check that out there's just so much great stuff and i've learned a lot from you so thank you for putting so much stuff out there it's awesome
1: oh it's my pleasure yeah thanks very much for having me on it
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of the Intrepid Water Accountability Group? We'll support and encourage each other on a private chat platform, pursue monthly challenges both in the water and on land, and meet virtually once a month to dive deep on a topic. If you'd like to join a group of like-minded limit pushers from around the globe, join the Intrepid Water Accountability Group. Find out more at intrepidwater.com.